Hey, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. My guest today is Victor Saad, who's taking higher education by storm. Victor's creative journey started when he chose to design his own 12-month master's program instead of applying to an existing school. He later wrote a book about his experiences and then created an organization that provides a similar learning experience to grad-level students every year called the Experience Institute, which is his main project nowadays. He was even named on Forbes' 30 Under 30 list for his work in education. Now I'm excited to talk about Victor about what it's like to disrupt and improve something as important as higher education, and I want to know what his big goals are for the future. Let's find out. Victor, welcome to Process. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. So I'd love it if you could share with us in your own words what you are working on. It's been years now that you've been on this mission to you know, change higher education for the better, which is extremely complex. And I'd love it if you could tell us and explain to us how this works and how you're doing that in your own words. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Well. So I have been spending my days building a higher education program. So in the States, higher education is really expensive and it's kind of really based on the brand of school you go to. So the bigger the brand, supposedly the more likelihood you'll end up at a really good job. And for the top five, 10 schools, that's, that's pretty much true, but Colleges across the board are really expensive. People leave college seated in debt. They have to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their lives within those first four years between kind of 18 to 22. And that then they're also like not really ex- invited to come back to school. I, I mean, you can always go back like grad school and so on, but school's kind of in this weird place where it's processing people and not really helping them to learn how to learn. You just get a ton of information. And I'm curious about how to help people to learn from their experiences and to learn from risk and to discover what they want to learn first and then navigate into projects and apprenticeships and endeavors where they can learn while doing. So Experience Institute is a year-long program where you have three windows of time, fall, spring, and summer, where you can do an apprenticeship, you can do an entrepreneurial endeavor, you can do a research project um, with the support of a community of instructors behind you and peers next to you. It starts in September, goes all the way through the following September. We meet every quarter for classes around business operations and design thinking and storytelling and so on. And we do calls every week and a big party at the end of the year for the for the graduating class and also welcoming the next class. So I actually was I fell victim to that system of branded schools. I went to Boston College and mm. came out with zero jobs <laughs> and then actually moved home to Nicaragua and got a job through honestly like my dad <laughs> helped yeah. me get a job at a nonprofit. It ended up going really well for me, but but I definitely identify with with what you're describing. And then I met you through somebody who was at Experience Institute. Yeah, uh, through Move. Yes, yes. Who's now in Nicaragua here doing his own entrepreneurial thing. So I love how this has kind of come full circle. And I actually... Yeah, that's grand. Yeah, we were at uh, 
at Misfit together a few years ago, which is a great conference that I, I feel like I've talked about Misfit on almost every single podcast episode that I've recorded. <laughs> it's like this yeah. thread that yeah. that holds together this entire creative thing. So yeah. I am curious to know what, tell us a little bit about Leap Kit because it sounds like, so you got experience Institute, but then you jumped on uh, back on Kickstarter this year to kind of bring all of this experience to everybody. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we started with five students in 2013, 10 students in 2014. We have 15, 14 this year. And it's been awesome to have these students here for a year. And, you know, the year long program has been somewhat of our lab and our flagship program. It's the bow of our ship. But there are there are a lot of questions about well, I mean, if you can learn from experience, if you can learn from risk, shouldn't anyone be able to do that? And and even though you know our the cost of our school is a fraction of higher ed, it's still prohibitive for some people. So what if we boiled down all of this into just a process and a series of simple tools that cost no more than you know a, a couple of meals, like something that wouldn't set you back a lot, but it teaches you how to design your own education at any season of life in many kind of small projects. And then let that product be kind of the core of our school, the core of uh, someone's life, wherever they are, or whether they need to just take a semester to do something and they want to design it, or maybe a sabbatical, or maybe even stay at work and just have a nights and weekends project. So the kit, the leap kit is to help you design 90 day leaps, like think projects around the areas you want to learn more about something that you want to discover, uh, uh, something you want to make or improve the, the kit will help you design a project around that and teach you how to build a team around that, set checkpoints, share your story. And it gives you kind of a, a, a title for it to actually talk about it with employers and friends. And it also gives you a community of other people who are doing something along the same lines. So it gives a common vernacular and, and a process that you can talk through with other folks who are doing it. How do you divide your time between these projects? It sounds like a, a lot. I mean, I know from previous interviews and stuff that managing a crowdfunding campaign is really time intensive. Um, yeah. And then having 14 people under at, at your you know with with the institute and stuff it's a lot to to do a lot to manage how do you do that well you know i definitely am not a one-man band we're a small shop but we're not it's not just victor there are a couple of really amazing full-time folks a couple of part-time folks and then the students are an incredible like they're one part students and one part team, right? Like they, they know they're building something by being here as well, which is really fun for them. And it's great to see them become a team. But, I, you know, my time, my best work is going to, for me personally, I, I'm great at casting the vision, managing the team, kind of high level, and then taking care of the marketing and branding. Aaron is great with the curriculum writing and thinking about the pro you know what the students are learning and how to deliver that content in the meetups with the coaches and so forth. And then we have one other individual, Eli, who helps us with also some of the writing, some of the consulting work we do with companies and universities, and then as well as also helping with the physical product of LeapKit. 
There are friends who help us with designing and writing. I have a, another great friend who helps me think about business development and growth and scale. And some of those people are paid. Some of them are volunteer. But there is a great team around EI. And, and I think just like anything else, you know, it takes a village. And, and so it's not just me. I'm curious that about your, I guess, your journey in gathering these people. Because I'm sure that when you started your own, you know, EI for, you know, the year 12 months. Um, yeah, my leap year project. Yeah. Yeah. That you did not have to think about, at least yet, gathering a community to help you bring this to other people. and. Now you have, eventually you had to wear all the hats, right? And start thinking about things like hiring or, or whatever. So what has been like the biggest challenge for you in terms of, to use the, the word scaling or, you know, bringing this, this vision of yours to more people? Well, you know, there is a whole new pressure when you have a team, like making payroll. Anyone who's had to make payroll, they have like a sixth sense about them, you know, if there's a if there's someone whose family doesn't eat if you don't do your job well that's that's scary stuff but i didn't start there you know like the first year i did do it was just like me and one other person and a board of advisors and then we you know when we realized we could also make a little bit of the like raise our own money essentially by doing some side projects in the education space by doing work for other institutions or for companies that paid work helped fund the rest of our work. And it helped me get the resources to hire other people. As far as where I find those people or how I find those people, I look for people who, so we get a ton of flattery around EI. A lot of people want to learn about what we're doing. They think it's something really interesting. I, I can't tell you how many pats on the back I've gotten. But the ones who actually stick around to help, you know, who, like after the lights are off, the ones who stack the chairs, the ones who show up early, the ones who follow up after, you know, a month of whatever, those people are really special. And, and, they, and anyone who does that, you kind of start building a bench so that when, if and when you do have the resources or you do, you do grow, you're not going to just like a totally cold call for applicants or for a team, it's a very natural progression for some of those people to go from a volunteer or someone who's interested to someone who's doing a project for a while and then someone who's doing staff or who's on staff. Also, the students are actually great people to, to think about joining our team. I mean, some of them have as coaches or co-coaches, which aren't full-time positions, but they're really important roles here. So I'm always fostering and thinking about who who might help us build this, like who and who whose skills and gifts fit within EI that and where it's a great uh, a great give and take. So yeah, it's definitely not one one step. I think it's a lot of small steps. I think if anything, if you're ever building a team, start with something small. Don't hire people right away if possible. Put them on something for a day, a week, a month, a few months, and watch how they work with you and with the people around you. And that's a great test for whether or not they're going to be there for the long run. I, I actually shared that conversation about making payroll with our mutual friend, AJ, after oh. you know, our, the first Misfit conference. And we had yeah. coffee and I told him, you know, 
it's really tough to think about payroll. And he was like, dude, you're telling me I have more people on staff than you. And I feel it like this weight is on my shoulders. And I'm like, how do you manage that? And that was basically our entire conversation. So yeah, I definitely feel you on that. But I'm curious as to what is your favorite part of all of it now that you have people helping what do you get to spend your time on that still, you know, kind of is your favorite piece of the entire puzzle? Well, I, I still love the students. I mean, if I could, if I just had 14 students or whatever, 20 students a year, and that was it, I mean, I, I'd probably be just fine. I mean, like helping, you know, getting them together once a quarter, being on calls with them, watching them design their education and fly around the world and grow and and struggle and and connect i mean that's that's really special i i like i love speaking i can do i can tell their stories every day of the week and i probably wouldn't get tired of it you know speaking on behalf of ei or doing presentations i and i really do enjoy the marketing branding video communication stuff as well but more than anything the time with the students is is the best do you still get to do a lot of that not as much or I, you know, I'm the one who they come when like everything is going wrong, you know, it's not <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I mean, like I'm not doing the coaching calls anymore. I did that the first year. Um, I now do just a once a month with the whole class coaching calls happen every week and then fireside chats, we call them happen with me once a month. And so, yeah, so that's, it's a little bit of a different, different play. So you're no stranger to crowdfunding. It's been a little bit of a theme lately here on the podcast. Tell me a little bit about how you got into crowdfunding and and what your experience with it has been like so far. Yeah, so I had I, I had known that I was going to do a leap kit campaign probably last spring, and wanted uh, that's when I decided I was going to do it. So I wanted to test the product first, and so we did some tests with just the paper version of the kit, so there was a little more of a backstory to the product. I spent all of April doing that, see what was happening and what people were responding to, who was signing up. And then the people who were signing up on that landing page are the ones who are going to be the first ones to buy the product. So from there, you know, we kind of, you know, once we kind of hit a critical mass of about a thousand people on that list, which were a lot of those I had reached out to and said, Hey, like, can you be part of the launch of this campaign? And then they shared it with their friends. And and then I launched, you know, so I, I was doing weekly updates to that community, but then I launched at the end of September, really beginning of October. And we like my biggest mistake with it was launching with too high of a goal. Like I launched with the forty four thousand dollar goal, which is what we needed to just get a thousand kits made. But looking back and looking around at at other campaigns, I realized I should have set the bar really low, reached it really fast. And then used it as a success story with press and so on. So we, if we, if I would have set it at 15k, we would have gotten funded within like 24 hours. Um, but instead, I think people saw the high goal and were like, "Wait, what, how how are we going to hit that?" And I think some people got a little skittish and or scared, and even me, it got it got me stressed out rather, you know, like rather quickly. And I in the rest of the month after the first week. The two, three middle weeks were a lot of like, it, it just pushed us to be really creative. We had, you had to think about, okay, like we've hit another, another wall. Like we're not getting past this one number. Like how do we, let's create a new video or let's post it here or let's see if these people will write about it. And some of that work we should have done beforehand, but 
We were doing it on the fly. And, and most of that work fell on my shoulders, but the students were amazing too. They were thinking of, they were brainstorming in Slack. They were like posting things all at the same time. So it would get shared. They were, they were really great, but it was, it, if it was another full-time job, Marcella, it was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a beast. It's a beast. And I think that doesn't end right now. You're in fulfillment mode. Yeah. But if, I mean, I, I, a lot of the product was pretty much done. Like we're doing some writing. We're now, now that we know what resources we have, we're talking about paper types and can we make it all in the U S versus some of it overseas? Like it's some of it, So it is still work, but it's a different kind of work. It's a maker. Like you're in the shop, you're not selling. And it's, it's just a different kind of, it's a little more fun. It's, it's exciting. Uh, you have the resources, you know, it's going to go. So yeah, lots of work. It still feels like another job, but a different a different kind of job for sure. It's more your style, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I can I don't mind selling something I believe in or or telling people to join you know join in something that's worthwhile. But making the stuff is what I want to be doing more of. That's interesting, and it, and it's that's uh, takes a lot of self awareness and and especially I mean you you had that wasn't your first time with crowdfunding, so. I'm sure that every time that you attempt a new campaign, there's new lessons, not just in terms of like goals and, you know, the, the amount, the amount of funding that you, that you list to start the campaign, but also how to manage it yourself. So is there more Kickstarter happening in the future or are you kind of done with crowdfunding for a bit? I'm done for now. I mean, I have, I have a very personal project that I might try to raise like a thousand dollars for just amongst my closest friends and just to see like more to test an idea. I, I think, I think crowdfunding, you need to space it out a little bit, you know, like you shouldn't do something too often, but yeah, I'm not afraid of it. I just, it is tiring. I want to do it well when I do it. So what would you consider being your biggest struggle or challenge at the moment? And this might be a good moment to ask you more about this blog post on hibernation. <laughs> you are, you wrote this morning, I'm going to be publishing this in about a week, but you wrote this morning about kind of going into the holidays and you're going to not stop, you're going to start writing for a bit. Is that, uh, well, what's yeah, happening? I'll be, I'll still be writing. I just won't be posting. You know, there's, I think anytime you're posting something regularly, you're kind of like aware, you, you have a different awareness about it. Like you're conscious or maybe a different consciousness about it. Like, is it hitting the right chord? Are people reading it? Are they sharing it? I don't have a massive audience or anything. I, it's just a matter of, it's just a different kind of work. And, you know, every Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, you know, I'm, I'm on social media. I actually, I have someone who changes my password every Wednesday night and gives me the new password every Tuesday night. And I'm only on social media right now for 24 hours at a time. Like not, and I'm not like on there constantly for 24 hours, but I only have like a day a week that I'm on social media for now, just because the Kickstarter was be a beast. And I was, I was just online too much. I didn't really learn anything new. I, you know, I didn't absorb any more information as far as like reading or like, I love to be in books. I love to be with people. I love to be, exercising or climbing or riding or whatever and that month wasn't the case so until until the very end when i went hiking in patagonia which was a great end to the whole campaign 
So, you know, yeah, I think hibernation is important. I, the idea, though, came from Jason Zook, which another misfit and um, another yeah, guy named Paul Yeah, and Paul Jarvis. So both of them are are uh, doing something similar in December. And and also, you know, one of the things is trying to figure out your life outside of your ideas and what you make and spending time with the people who know you and building those relationships. And like, I'm still single. I should probably st- like figure out how to get out and about a little bit as far as like just dating or like build like maintaining friendships with people who know me outside of the EI context. I'm going climbing this I'm not climbing. I'm going snowboarding this weekend with some buddies and in Colorado, like I'm, I'm going to cut out for a week at the end of, you know, between Christmas and new year's, uh, just to, just to spend time with a mentor. So I think those times are really rich. And I think a lot of that, that time actually is where your inspiration comes from because you're, what, what's happening is you're just running so fast, so hard all the time that if you don't just like stop and look at how far you've come, you don't really piece it all together. Like you don't really get to see what you've learned. You don't get to share, you don't get to share the best things because all you're doing is just running, right? Like, I don't know. I'm not saying it exactly how I want no, to be. No, but I but- totally get you. I totally get you. I once, I kind of internalized my progress when I made a list of, like a, I sat at a whiteboard and I made a list of my successes and my failures. And just to see the difference in length, obviously I wasn't like qualifying, like this one is a huge success. This was a huge failure or a small failure, but it just put things in perspective for me. So I definitely understand how different rituals, you know, like hibernation or going out and, and trying to achieve that, that, that stupid word balance <laughs> um, can help you to internalize everything that's going on day to day. I am actually on the opposite and right now I spend so much time in my family life because I have a toddler that I'm forcing myself tonight, for example, and tomorrow night to get out of the house and go to something work related or, you know, just idea related, like community. I'm going to a TEDx uh, after hours event, just hang yeah. out with the people who I used to do TEDx Managua with and watch videos and chat and not yeah. change diapers <laughs> for a night. So I definitely identify and can relate to that. It, sometimes it takes conscious choice and decision-making to say, I'm going to switch things up. I need it right now. So yeah. that's awesome. What are you thinking of You know, working on or creating or making next? I know obviously on top of all this stuff that you have going on, you tell me a little bit about this personal project if that's cool. No, I can't tell you about the personal project, Aww. but um, don't worry. I'm I have plenty of other things coming up. So the biggest thing is still like Leap Kit producing it and also creating an online course around it, like a a place where people can connect. That's that's still a beast of a project. And then I'm curious about partnering with universities. So we've we've been kind of under the radar working on something called Leap Semesters, which is kind of a modern day study abroad that teams up college students well think about it like an independent study meets a study abroad where right now if you do a study abroad you get planted in another country at a campus Uh, it's not really it's cool it's it's interesting but it's not like you're taking education in your own hands but what if we could do that like what if you showed up for your your first semester of your junior year and you actually you were there for two weeks of intensive classes and then 
during those two weeks, you decide what the next three, like two months are going to look like. What company could you work with? What project could you pursue? What thing could you try to start? Who do you want to work with? And start designing those that semester or what, you know, whatever, a following semester. I, I think that could really impact how we think about undergraduate education and education as a whole. So I, I'm, I've been working on the structure for that, the formats, the curriculum, the partnerships. And, you know, my hope is to have that rolling in the next year with a, with a couple of pilot schools. That's awesome. That sounds really interesting. And I, I want to thank you for being on the podcast and for sharing the, all of your stories. I really, really, really enjoyed what you said about, you know, taking the time to... Your hibernation is one way of doing it. But I think that everybody's going to have different ways. But the the whole point is getting to that outcome of disconnecting or reconnecting to a piece of themselves that they haven't been tending to uh, as much as they feel that they need to. So that was a, a really beautiful thing that you shared. So thank you for that. Hey, of course. Thanks for having me on the show. You heard it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Victor, founder of Experience Institute. Thanks, Victor, for sharing all of that with us. By the way, you can find links to everything we mentioned throughout the show over at www.process.show. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll be back next Friday with the next episode of Process and more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process. Process.